Okay, this week's Torah portion is Deuteronomy uh, chapter 31. So if you want to turn there. Deuteronomy 31, we only have, um, we only have a few Torah portions left to go. There's 31, and then chapter 32, which is the Song of Moses, and we'll probably touch on that, we might touch on that a little bit today, and then the last two chapters of Deuteronomy, chapter 33 and 34, which will take us through, uh, the end of, uh, Sukkot, and then we will roll back the scroll. Do they traditionally do it this time of year? Yeah, the end of Sukkot, they, um, the last day of Sukkot is when they, when you, you traditionally roll back the scroll to the beginning and you start the yearly Torah portion again. And, uh, uh, start eating it, it over. Why does it stop at do, like, once it gets to the Joshua, why does it just stop? Like, they just go Because back. it's, the Torah are the five books of Moses, oh. so... You read those five books, and and part of what we're going to read today is about how Moses finishes writing the book of the law, and it is put in possession of the Levites, the sons of Levi, the priests, and uh, it is put in the side of the ark in the tabernacle, and it is kept there for a witness against the children of Israel. Can you let the dog in and put him in the basement? Does that mean when they find the... Uh... Ark, they'll find the original one inside of the ark. I have no idea. One would assume. Do you think they would rewrite it when the parchment would become really old? I don't know. I mean, if the pot of torn, if the pot, you know, I've never thought about this too much, but if the pot of manna didn't ever grow moldy, why would the Torah roll, you know, wear out? You that's, know? A, that's a special place, yeah. so we would never... But who knows? I mean, who, who knows? We don't even know if the ark is still preserved or not. But I, I kind of think, think it is. I think it is. But anyway, let's pray, and then we'll get into our Torah portion here. Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you for the Sabbath and for this day, again, to be here, to uh, study your word, to learn from it. Uh, speak to our hearts uh, through your word to uh, continually mold us into your image, Father, that we might walk out your your word, walk out your will in this life, in this world where we are, in our community, and our families, uh, to be your witnesses as we go forth, God. In uh, Yeshua's name I pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so Deuteronomy chapter 31. It's not very long, so we're going to read it, and then we're going to uh, comment it kind of as, as we go. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and then we'll go into our after portion and our apostolic scriptures portion. All right, chapter 31. Moses went and spake these words unto all Israel. And he said unto them, I am 120 years old this day. I can no more go out and come in. Also, Yehovah has said unto me, Thou shalt not go over this Jordan. Yehovah thy God, he will go over before thee. 
and he will destroy these nations from before thee. And thou shalt possess them, and Joshua he shall go over before thee, as Yehovah has said. And Yehovah shall do unto them as he did to Sihon and to Og, kings of the Amorites, and unto the land of them whom he destroyed. And Yehovah shall give them up before your face, that ye may do unto them according to all that I have commanded you. Be strong and of good courage, fear not, nor be afraid of them. For Yehovah thy God, he it is that doth go with thee, he will not fail thee nor forsake thee. So I like these first six passages. Basically, Moses is winding down the end of his life. Um, he says, you know, I can't go in and out anymore. I'm not going with you over the Jordan. God's going to lead you over the Jordan. Uh, he's going to be um, your leader. And, and I like how even though, you know, Joshua gets appointed, uh, it's, it's made clear <coughs> by Moses that God's the one that leads them. He's the one that guides them. He's the one protects them and does these things for them and will drive out the enemies for them and bring them into the land. And that really he is their, their head. But the constant theme in Israel was the people um, not submitting themselves to God as their authority vis-a-vis um, -vis their uh, rebellion against Moses and against Aaron, against, you know, basically any leadership. And so you always see this pattern arise. But Moses says, you know, you're going in, not going with you, but God's going to lead you and take you in there as he's promised. And uh, so, verse 7, Mo Moses calls to Joshua and says unto him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and of a good courage. For thou must go with this people unto the land which Jehovah swore uh, unto their fathers to give them, and thou shalt cause them to inherit it. And Jehovah, he it is that doth go before thee, he will be with thee, he will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. And so Moses tells Joshua then basically the same thing. You're going in, God's going to be, go, go before you, he'll be with thee. He will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. And I don't know, I find that this is encouraging and so um, important even for this day and age for us you know, to be reminded of that God still is with us. He goes before us. Uh, you know, He doesn't fail us. He doesn't forsake us. And so we don't need to be afraid. We don't need to be dismayed. Um, oftentimes, though, that is what besets us. And uh, we forget, you know, that we have God on our side. Um, and we tend to fear, you know, the things that are out there that, you know, what will happen in the future and whatever. But we don't have to because God's in control. God's in charge and he's given us his word and he's promised um, that he will do what he has said. And so we trust that and we walk in that. So... Um, all right, so, and then let's keep going on. Verse um, 9. So Moses wrote this law and delivered it unto the priests of the sons of Levite, which bear the Ark of the Covenant of Jehovah, and unto all the elders of Israel. So he takes this law, he writes it, he gives it to the priests and unto the elders of Israel. Basically, those who are supposed to carry and protect the Word of God. They're tasked with this special... Uh, um, task to handle the word of God properly and to preserve it and to teach it to the people and to the 
the community of Israel. And, and oftentimes when we see society break down in Israel and in any society, it's because those who are supposed to handle the word of God and to lead the people and do justice and judgment and uh, equity, they don't. And when they fail, it all falls apart. Because these people are tasked with a special task. And uh, it's more than your average dude. And so, verse 10, Moses commanded them, saying, At the end of every seven years, in the solemnity of the year of release, in the Feast of Tabernacles, when all Israel has come to appear before Yehovah thy God in the place which he shall choose, thou shalt read this law before all Israel in their hearing. Gather the people together, men and women and children, and thy stranger that's within thy gates, that they may hear, and that they may learn and fear the Lord your God, and observe to do all the words of this law, and that their children, which have not known anything, may hear and learn to fear Yehovah your God. As long as you live in the land, whether you go over the Jordan to possess it. So, <coughs> every seven years, uh, at the end of uh, the seven-year cycle, which would be the year of uh, release, they um, would all gather together for Sukkot. And at the end of Sukkot, they, or during the, the Sukkot, when all Israel would be gathered together, they would read the Torah through every seven years so that the people would all hear it and learn it and do it in fear. And so that every seven years you had this regeneration of, of uh, another group of people showing up that may have been little babies at the time or may have been little kids without understanding or, you know, whatever, that, you know, basically 7, 14, you know, 21, you'd hear this. And so by the time you hit 21, you've heard the Torah read three times. You've gone down to Jerusalem three times a year, every year of your life. And so these patterns, these cycles are built into your life. And then you hear this word preached. You, the uh, debts are forgiven. The prisoners are released. Land is returned to its rightful owner. And so you see God's worked, word worked out in your community, in your life, in your society around you. And you see the order that it makes and the peace it establishes and how God provides for his people every year and then you hear these words <laughs> spoken and how your ancestors came out of Egypt and you see a faithful trustworthy God who does what he says and so you too take up the yoke of the covenant and you fear him and you hear his word and you walk it out that's what God's plan for his people was <sighs> and so as best we can that's what we need to do I don't know when the seven-year year of releases. Some people think it was last year or this year. Um, I don't know that we really know. Um, I don't know that it necessarily... It, it does matter, but things are not really reestablished yet as they are. We're not all back in the land as we should be. But even still, I think it would be behoove us to, <clears throat> to read the Word, you know, like we're doing it with the Torah portion, but also in Sukkot and your own family. You know, read the Torah through. Maybe a section of it each each you know night through Sukkot uh, to reestablish these patterns in our lives and in our families that we it starts to order our behavior as it should be as we restore these things back into our life. So everybody's supposed to go up. Everybody's supposed to hear this. And uh, fourteen. We'll continue on. And Yehovah said unto Moses, Behold, thy days approach that thou must die. Call Joshua and present yourselves in the tabernacle of the congregation that I may give him a charge. 
Moses and Joshua went in, presented themselves in the tabernacle of the congregation. And Yehovah appeared in the tabernacle in a pillar of a cloud. And in the pillar and the pillar of the cloud stood over the door of the tabernacle. And Yehovah said unto Moses, Behold, thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, and this people will rise up and go a whoring after the gods of the strangers of the land, whither they go to be among them. I will, and will forsake me and break my covenant which I have made with them. Then my anger shall be kindled against them in that day, and I will forsake them. And I will hide my face from them, and they shall be devoured. And many evils and troubles shall befall them, so that they will say in that day, Are not these evils come upon us, because our God is not among us? And I will surely hide my face in that day for all the evils which they shall have wrought, in that they did they have turned unto other gods. Now therefore write ye this song for you, and teach it in the children of Israel. Put it in their mouths, that this song may be a witness for me against the children of Israel. So, you have, you have really, it's a depressing section that happens. It's like, here they are, ready to go to the land, the God's renewing the covenant. You know, Moses is dying, but that's okay, God's going to be with us. He's setting up Moses. Moses is, goes... Uh, I'm sorry, Joshua, they go and they uh, stand in the um, in the court of the tabernacle and God comes down in a pillar of fire and what's the first thing God says to him? You're going to die. He says, uh, they're going to break the covenant. The people will rise up and go a horn after other gods of the strangers of the land, whither they go to be among, and they will forsake me break my covenant which I've made them. You know, I don't know. It's just like... It's just heavy stuff, you know? I... It's, you know, I... I struggle with... with, um... I don't know, everything in life, you know, with reading this. And, and basically, I guess, seeing the fallout of forsaking God and forsaking his word and not doing it in, in our lives all around us. But that's part of why, you know, we are part of the fulfilling of these prophecies of the people of God turning back unto him and keeping his ways and walking in his word again because we see that it's, a, it's order and it's life and it's his love for us. And that outside of that is just chaos all around and everywhere. And we don't want to be in that anymore. I don't want to be like these people anymore who, who see all these things happen. And so here we are in this corrupt thing and all the troubles that befall us. And we say in this day, are not these evils come upon us because our God is not among us? You know, that's what it feels like. You know, where is God? We read these stories. We hear these great things that God's going to do, but we see these evils that are on us all around in our families and our lives, and there's miscarriages, and there's disease, and there's, you know, families that break up, and people that die. Is our God among us? You know? And so we, we are reaping the consequences of our own sinful state and the sins of our fathers. And so that's why it's so important that we we don't turn back, we don't give up, that we, you know, the plow that we've put our hand to must go forward. Yeah. And we can't waver in our commitment. Though it is, you know, we might be like Gideon uh, uh, 
threshing our wheat in a, in a wine press because we're hiding from our enemies, wondering where God is, and that we don't even, you know, that an angel of the Lord shows up, and he's not even like, oh, yay! He's like, where's God, you know? And that's what it feels like. But, and it's, it's you know, daunting, and it's, um, you know, the weight of it all, I feel, you know, is so heavy. But, but those of us who've been bought with the blood of Yeshua, we've been transformed. And we can't turn back. And we won't turn back. And somehow, in spite of it all, there's a strength within me, within us, that we're not turning back. And we're not going to give up. And we're going to do what God says. And we're not going to get sidetracked on oddball weird things and theories and whatever and feely things we're going to serve our God and we're going to turn back to him with all our heart, soul and strength to the best of our ability and the best of our knowledge and we're going to know his word and we're going to represent it as best we can that he can that, that he can work in and through us that you know we would be a people which a pillar of cloud would descend and, and people would say there's God's presence. You know what I mean? I mean, God, if I didn't have, you know, God's spirit and strength within me, I would have given up long ago. <laughs> you know. But his word is, is true and um and it's alive. I don't know how else to say it, you know. To to those who are outside, to those who are unsaved, you know, they look at the Bible and they see um, you know, they, they see whatever they want to, you know, but, uh, we see the very, you know, manifestation of God born forth from it and, um, what he's, what he's doing in his plan for the whole world. And so we have to take that out and to spread that to the world around us and, uh, you know, not just close ourselves in, in our little circles, but. Um, be his witnesses, you know. So, so he tells them to write this song. Because what do we do when we teach kids the alphabet? You know, a, a, B, Z, D, e, you know. He gives them a song so that you remember it. And that's what the Hebrew people did. That's what they did with Yeshua's words. They, uh, when, when any of their teachers that they you would follow, they would put it, the, when that uh, put the words to, to melody and to, to, to beat, and so it was easy to remember, much like the, the scripture. And that's why, like, you, if you read in a, a Hebrew text, they have cantillation marks. And these are um, they're marks that tell you, uh, give you uh, how to chant the, the, uh, the particular passage. It's not so much the tune as much as the meter. And um, that's why I like the Shema. When we say the Shema and it's a, as a tune, that is, you're chanting it. Is, is, that's a cantillation. And so they would sing these words. And this was to be a song that was sung in the mouths of the people and passed on each generation then that would be heard, that would call to remembrance, you know, everything that has happened, is happening, and will happen with them. And so that's going to be, uh, well, we might look into it a little bit. Um, because again, that's a heavy, heavy passage, but but there's a, a silver lining in it. So, 
let's see here. Let's go to uh, 21. It shall come to pass. When many evils and troubles are befallen them, that this song shall testify against them as a witness, for it shall not be forgotten out of the mouths of their seed. For I know the imaginations which they go about, even now, before I have brought them into the land which I swore. Moses therefore wrote this song the same day and taught it to the children of Israel. And he gave Joshua the son of Nun charge and said, Be strong and of good courage for thou shalt bring the children of israel into the land which i swore unto them and i will be with thee and it will come to pass and it came to pass when moses had made an end of writing the words of the law in a book until they were finished <coughs> that moses commanded the levites which bore the ark of the covenant of jehovah saying take this book of the law put it in the side of the ark of the covenant of jehovah your god that it may be there for a witness against thee for i know thy rebellion thy stiff neck Behold, while I am yet alive with you this day, ye have rebelled against Jehovah. How much more after my death? Gather unto me all the elders of your tribes and your officers, that I may speak these words in their ears and call heaven and earth to record against them. For I know that after my death ye will utterly corrupt yourselves and turn aside from the way which I have commanded you, and evil will befall you in the latter days, because you will do evil in the sight of Yahweh to provoke him to anger through the work of your hands. Moses spoke these words in the ears of the congregation of Israel, the words of this song, until they were ended. Yeah, I was like, what a send-off party. Woo, are you going to the land? It's like, no, you know. Yeah. I mean, sinners. Yeah, talk about, you know, because what, what did God say, though? He said, or what did Moses say? He's like, uh, for, uh, da, da. Oh, I can't find it. That's okay. But he says, you know, it's already your rebellion that's already in your hearts that you're already thinking about. Yeah, behold, well, I am yet alive with you this day. You know, so... You know, it was already in them. He knew what was going to happen. God knew what was going to happen. And, um, <laughs> it's just, uh, you know, yeah. For I know the imaginations which they go about even now before I have brought them into the land which I swore. <laughs> you know, God knows their hearts. God knows our hearts. And, and so he teaches them this song to, um, to remind them. And so, that's the send-off. And so, then this, um, this song of Moses, uh, uh, which really is a song from God, um, is, is taught to them. And uh, it basically says how, you know, God is perfect. He chose His people, but they grew fat. They had no faith in them. They forsook God. God's going to wipe them out. <laughs> Nobody's going to let be left. I'll I'll, you know, be revolted by anything you do. And um but that he will avenge his servants. What I want to note, you know, you guys note too is that um uh, 
Evil, uh, la- uh, 29, evil will befall you in the latter days because you do evil in the sight of Yehovah to provoke him to anger through the works of your hands. So that word latter days uh, can also be translated end of time, end of days, very in the end. And and I think our focus is, is screwed up and wrong as far as, you know, prophetic things, not entirely, you know, I'm not throwing out the baby with the, with the bathwater, but... Um, prophetic things, end time things, what's going on now, you know, what's the UN doing, what's all these things doing. You know, and there's, there are passages in the Bible where God is, is uh, pronouncing judgment on the nations, on Edom, on, on Sodom, on all these different nations, on Egypt. And that certainly happens. But what is God more concerned about? The condition of the hearts and the lives of his people and what they're doing. He judges them it's, it's not that the, the nations just rise up willy-nilly and attack his people. They, they come against his people because they're a mess. Because they're not doing what they're supposed to. And they're, not, they're living in sin. And so they get judged by God, by these nations, because they forsake him. And don't do what he says. And so we're not to fear those nations and those other people that are around about us. We are to fear God because punishment comes from him. For our disobedience. And so, our focus should be not on what's the world doing in the UN and the World Bank and whatever and this, that, and everything that's going on. Not that we shouldn't know that, but that's not what we really care about. We care about God and what he's told us to do and what what we're going to read in our, uh, go up to Hosea 14. What do we read in our Hoftor portion? Hosea, Joel, Amos, Son of John, John, Mike, and Amos, Beck. Right after Daniel. So go to Hosea, last chapter. You know, what are we supposed to do? You know, what makes, and, and it's going to say, O Israel, return unto Yahweh thy God, for thou hast fallen by thy iniquity. Why do problems come? Why do we fall? Why does everyone have problems? Not because, oh, the evil, you know, there's all these Islamic nations against us. No, because they fall by thine iniquity. Not because of the, the enemies. They fall because it's their own fault. So we need to get off of this stupid war path about uh, everything else that's going on in the world. You know, why don't our preachers and our teachers teach on getting our lives together and our families and, and you know, in our own lives, you know? Why? You know why? Because it's easy to look everywhere else, yeah. but to look on the inside of the wicked darkness of your own wretched state of life and heart. Because if you really look at yourself, you see that you're a miserable mess. And the only thing that keeps you where you should be is God and His Word. Yeah. Well, every time you point a finger, you got three pointing back at right. you. Right. And so we're wasting time and energy and money and... You know, it's just an atrocity what we're doing in our own movement. While while people's families and and lives, you know, go to hell in a handbasket and fall apart, you know, while while we can tell you, you know, we can give you the data when your shoe's coming back. Or what's going to happen with, you know, with the, you know, dark smoky rooms. The hell with all of that. (laughs) You know, work on your own life. Mm-hmm. 
Your walk with God. Do you know scripture? Can, do you study scripture? Do you pray? Do you spend time with your, your spouse, with your children in the word? Build a family. Are you helping your neighbor? You know, are you honest in your dealings? You know, are you giving of your time and your efforts and your money to God? You know, that's what matters. You know, because you are fallen, O Israel, because of your iniquity. What is iniquity? It's when we don't obey. We're not fallen because, you know, everybody hates me, nobody likes me. You know, no, that's not, that's not what the Bible says. Okay. 14. Hosea 14, verse 1. O Israel, return unto Yahweh thy God, for thou hast fallen by thy iniquity. Take with you words. Turn to Yehovah, say unto him, Take away all iniquity, receive us graciously, so we will render the calves of our lips. As your serve will not save us, we will not ride upon horses, neither will we say any more to the work of our hands, you are our gods, for in thee the fatherless findeth mercy. So what's God say? I will heal their backsliding, I will love them freely, for mine anger is turned away from him. I will be as the dew unto Israel. He shall grow as the lily, cast forth his roots as Lebanon. His branches shall spread. His beauty shall be as the olive tree, and his smell as Lebanon. They that dwell under his shadow shall return. They shall revive as the corn, and grow as the vine. The scent thereof shall be as the wine of Lebanon. Ephraim shall say, What have I to do any more with idols? I have heard him and observed him. I'm like a green fir tree. From me is thy fruit found. Who is wise? And who shall understand these things? Prudent, and he shall know them. For in the for the ways of Yehovah are right, and the just shall walk in them, but the transgressors shall fall therein. I mean, just God can't lay it out any more clearly. But the problem is, most of our people don't read their Bibles, don't know their Bibles. And so we transgress and fall therein. You know, and it's, it's wonderful to read how God will, and he is, forgiving our blacks, backsliding. He's loving us freely, and his anger is turned away from us. And he is as the dew unto Israel. And, and we will eventually grow as the lily and cast forth our fruits in Lebanon, but... This song of Moses, you know, should be ringing all the time in the back of our ears. You know, what, what he says is just sobering. I don't know, you know. Of the rock that begat thee, thou art unmindful, and hast forgotten thy God that formed thee. Children in whom there is no faith. For a fire is kindled in.